You're listening to a live service from Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. Go with me, if you would, please, to the book of 2 Peter in chapter number 3. 2 Peter chapter 3, looking at two verses only. 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 17 and verse number 18. Again, I want to say while you're getting there, while you're turning there, this morning we have some visitors with us, and I just want our visitors to know that there is not another church that exists that is more honored to have you than what Faith Worship Center is. We're grateful for your presence today. I know that there are several churches that are around, and you could have easily went to any. We're grateful that you came to be in service with us today. We trust that you've been blessed already, and we trust that you're blessed in the Word and that you learn. If I don't give you something to take home with you, well, I've wasted your time and mine. And so we hope that you learn something from the Word today. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 17 and 18. The Bible says, Ye therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things, seeing you know these things before, Beware, lest you also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in grace, and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. And I want to read verse 18 one more time. But grow in grace, and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He ends by telling them, to grow in grace. And that's what's on my, uh, on my heart, what's been in my spirit. There's much that entails the growing in grace. And there's a lot of things I'd like to say this morning. But I want to try to make it simple. I want you to understand. And I want to try to slow down and do a little teaching this morning. That may not work out like I want to. But I want to try to teach a little bit this morning about this subject, growing in grace. Growing in grace. Would you bow your head and will you help me pray? Father, we love you. We thank you, God, again for the opportunity to be here this morning. I thank you, God, for what you have already done today, God, on the hearts and the lives of your people. I pray this morning, God, that you would open our hearts, God, to receive our ears to properly hear, and that you would anoint my lips, God, to deliver your already anointed word. I ask in the name of Jesus Christ that you would move across this congregation, that you would address every single heart and do a work that I cannot do nor any other man, and that is, God, to move upon the depths of our heart. And for everything that is said and done, we'll be very careful to give you all of the praise, the glory, and the honor. In the name of Jesus, we ask it, and everybody says, Amen. I didn't announce earlier, and I want to do that before I get into our... Uh, before I get into the text this morning, our building fund offering last Sunday, which goes to pay off everything that we did to remodel our chairs, our carpet, everything that we did. Our building fund last Sunday offering was $2,650, putting us down to around $1,900 that we owe. And so if you want to write me that check after church, I'll take it. If your check's no good, then we take cash. And so... But we thank you so much for giving and doing what you are Amen. doing. You know, we have no greater mission here at Faith Worship Center. You're not going to be around here long without understanding and knowing that our number one priority is preaching the gospel to those that are lost, those that do not know Jesus Christ as their Savior, or those that are concerned about the relationship with the Lord. Because I want to be honest with you, if there's a concern in your mind, in your heart today of just how I would come out if I, stun, if I stood before the Lord today, then that is something that ought to greatly concern you. Because when that day comes, nobody knows. And I'm not up here preaching condemnation to you. I don't have to do that. I know a lot of preachers try to do that. I don't have to do that. We were condemned already. Jesus didn't come to condemn us. He come to save us. But if you have concerns of how I would turn out if I stood before the Lord today, then that should be number one priority in your heart and in your life. This life that we live now is but a vapor, but eternity is forever. 
And so we gotta, we've got to be mindful of that. Salvation must remain a top priority. Are you born again? Am I born again? Do I have a relationship with the Lord? Am I leading my family in a relationship with the Lord? Do my kids know who Jesus is? I've got to know and I've got to answer that question. In John chapter number 3, when Nicodemus approached Christ, Jesus said it simple like this. We didn't have to put a lot of thought into it. We didn't have to wonder what he was thinking. We didn't have to guess about, well, maybe this, maybe that. Jesus just said this, except a man be born again, he will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. In other words, unless we are born again, circumcised from the heart by faith in Christ and what he did for us on the cross of Calvary, you don't have to wonder if you're going to heaven or not. If you're not born again, we're not going. If we're born again, then we're going. Amen? And so we're thankful, so very thankful for that. And so uh, salvation is our number one priority, seeing people saved and seeing people born again. But as we see new converts, and we've seen people come in even recently, we see people come in and give their heart and life to the Lord. We don't just preach salvation, but we've got to equip. Listen to what I'm saying. We've got to equip a new convert. With the how-to to live for God Monday through Saturday when you're not in church. Because not a lot of people this morning are being tempted by sin right now. But Monday when I get around the people that I work with and when I get out into the world and when I get around my friends that don't live for God, well, temptation comes. So how do I live for God when I'm not in church, when I'm not around my church family how do I live for them? How do I live for God then? We've got to reinforce all of these things and reinforce the how-to to believers. How to properly live for God on a daily, daily, daily basis. God doesn't, somebody said it, I'll repeat it, but God doesn't just want to date you on Sunday. And let me just say this, He don't just want to visit with you when you're in trouble. He wants a relationship with us. If he's good enough to call on when you're in trouble or you're in a jam, he's good enough to talk to when everything's going good. Yeah. Amen. And so uh, we, we got to reinforce the how-to, how to live for God. There's still the great problem of the revolving door in the church world as a whole. People come in, I'm not going to doubt that they don't truly give their heart and their life to the Lord, that they're not truly born again, but come Monday or Tuesday, the desire to live for God is just not there. Oh, I'm preaching better than you. I'm, I'm preaching good. Nobody ever came in and got refreshed on Sunday and then Monday or Tuesday, you felt like it was a waste of time? Living for the Lord? A problem that is resolved, and I believe has to be resolved, by teaching how to grow in grace. Grace doesn't just need to be a term in the church. I grew up in church, and for 26 years, I was under the understanding that grace is simply unmerited favor. Until we moved out of the Old Testament and got into the New Testament and learned that grace is not just unmerited favor. By the simple Strong's Concordance, grace is more than that. Grace is a divine influence upon your heart and a reflection in your life. In other words, grace is the effectual working of the Holy Spirit. We don't just have favor with God. We've got help from God. It's divine influence of the Holy Spirit. And you know what I need Monday through Saturday? I need a divine influence of the Holy Spirit. I need one that will walk with me, that will tell me sometimes to shut up when I want to say something I don't need to say. Okay, thank you for not leaving me alone. I need one that, that needs to help me be the husband that I need to be. The pastor that I need to be, the man that I need to be, the son that I need to be, I need some help. Maybe I'm not like you this morning, but when it comes to living for the Lord and comes to living according to the Scripture, I need a little bit of help. Now i got to take that back. I don't need a little help. I need a lot of help. I don't know about you and your life, but I need a lot of help when it comes to living for the Lord. And to be plain, uh, just be plain, it can be resolved if we learn how to live for God, how to grow in grace, how to walk in the Spirit. But walking in the Spirit and grace can't just be a term that we heard. We have to back up and explain it. And I fear today that a lot of people, and I'm not patting myself on the back, or a lot of preachers or teachers are not backing up and explaining walking in the Spirit or explaining grace because they don't know anything about it. And when we don't know anything about it, is that okay?
If we don't know anything about it, then our people don't know anything about it. And we're just trying to live for God on Sunday, make it the best we can to when we come back, or we will be discouraged and we will not live for God at all. We may show up on Sunday, but my question is, and it's a heart question, is do you have a relationship with God? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? And to be plain, let me just say it like this, either we don't know how to walk in the Spirit and let grace flow, or we don't want to walk in the Spirit. There's a lot of believers that don't want to walk in the Spirit, just don't want to. I'll go back on Sunday, I'll go back on Wednesday, I'm going to church, I'm apart, but I'm, I'm like Nicodemus, I'm in the background and I'm never going to fully be a part of what God is doing. But every born-again believer ought to have a desire to grow in the Lord and strengthen that individual relationship that I have with Jesus. So this morning I feel it needful to back up just to some foundation which is never wrong and teach just a little bit in an attempt to help you to live for Christ on a daily basis. I got to know how to live for Christ. And you know what? Sunday morning, Sunday night is not when we uh, just grow in the Lord. We're growing in the Lord every single day of our life. When we come and we hear the right truth, when we hear the right word, that ought to edify or build your faith up in Christ and what he did for you on the cross of Calvary. It ought to just build your faith. What I am saying this morning, I hope, encourages you and builds your faith. But this alone, if you leave it here, it's not going to help you in your relationship with the Lord. You have to apply it to our life. So let's get, let's get, let me get started. That was my introduction. We'll get started. We'll start when we were born again. The Bible teaches this when I was born again. When I, first of all, before you can be born again, you got to know that you're a sinner. You got to believe Romans 3 and 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Let me just tell you something. You may title your sin different than what my sin was, but the fact of the matter is all have sinned. Nobody's better than nobody this morning. Everybody has sinned. And come short of the glory of God. Well, you know, uh, you know, he's done more sins than what I have. Doesn't matter. One sin separated you from God. And everybody is there. Everybody has committed that one sin that separated us from God. Before you get saved, you've got to learn and you've got to understand, I am a sinner. And I'm going to say it like this. Uh, now I am a believer. I'm not a perfect man. I've still got things in my heart that needs to be changed. But before I could accept or wanted to accept Christ as my Savior, I had to believe that I was a sinner. And once I accepted that, then I accepted the fact that Jesus Christ, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be unkind, I'm Sorry, Miss Oprah Winfrey, but Jesus Christ is still the only way. There's not several ways to God. There's not several ways to the Father. I know something where you're being disrespectful. I'm not being disrespectful. I'm trying to tear down a lie. If you believe there's several ways, you're not going to make it. But if you believe there's one way to God and His name is Jesus, you're going to make it this morning. Oh, I'm passionate about it because I don't want to see people steered off in a wrong direction. I knew that Jesus was the only way. I come to the Lord with my heart and my faith believing and saying, God, I am a sinner. I've done wrong, and I ask you today to forgive me. I place my faith in Jesus and what he did for me on the cross of Calvary. Do you know what happened? I can't, talk, I can't go into all of it. But literally, watch this, Romans 5 and 1. Can we bring that up? Romans chapter number 5 and 1 says this. It says, therefore... Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Justified is a legal term. Anything that God does has to be a legal work. It has to be a legal work. And justified is a legal term. It's literally the picture is this. I don't know if anybody in here has ever been to court. If you have, you don't got to raise your hand. Justified is this. You got a defendant. You got a plaintiff. You got on one side, you got the the, the, the enemy, the enemy of your soul, the devil accusing you of everything you've done in your past. He's a liar, he's this, he's that, he's done this, he's done that. The devil doesn't forget anything, especially details about our past. And then you got Jesus on the other side that is defending you. He's your defendant. 
And you got God the Father sitting behind the bench and He's the judge. He's the one that lowers the gavel. And when the devil comes up and says he or she has done this and done that and done this and done that and they've been there and they are, they're guilty of this sin and this sin and this sin. And let me just be honest with you, I don't care how many he lists. It doesn't make any difference. All of a sudden God asks you, what do you got to say for yourself? And if you are uh, recognized you're a sinner and you've recognized Jesus is the only way, uh, our rightful answer is to say this, I'm going to place my faith in and my defendant and his name is Jesus. And then all of a sudden, can I have a little help, Tristan, come here. All of a sudden, Jesus comes. If I'm accusing Tristan of, uh, of everything that he's done, we're standing before, uh, and let's just pretend that the gavel, the, the father is sitting right here as the judge, and he's standing before the judge. If he looks to Jesus, which is me, and says, I place my faith in Jesus and has nothing to say for himself, well, Jesus walks over here and stands. I'm not quite tall enough. He stands like this, and when God looks upon the one that is being accused, all he sees is Jesus Christ, his son. And when he looks at Jesus, Jesus, he can lower the gavel and say, not guilty of anything. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Praise the Lord. My God. I've been there. I've been there this morning. He looks at me and he says, therefore, being justified by faith, you know what I have now? I have peace with God. In other words, I don't have to worry about my standing with the Lord. I'm justified, declared not guilty, just if I never sin. My Lord, it just don't get old. The blood has been applied to my life. I've been justified. Let me tell you something this morning. You can be justified this morning. You can go to court this morning, and you know, one bad thing about court is you just don't know how it's going to turn out, but this is a courtroom you can walk in and know exactly how it's going to turn out. The judge is going to be in your favor. You don't got to call any witnesses. No. You ain't got to go through all of the lies and all of this stuff. All you got to do is say, I'm going to place my faith in Jesus, and the judge is going to say, you know what? You're not guilty this morning. My Lord, maybe that should have been my message, but I got to jump through it. Justified. Now I'm standing with God. Now here's what, I've got to move on, may lose my notes, but from that moment, watch this. From that moment that you were justified, the enemy of your soul is doing everything he can to get you to quit believing in that moment. He doesn't wait. The enemy of your soul is getting you to believe you're really not justified. You're really not, ju that didn't mean a single thing. You're not justified. You know what you've done. You know where you've been. You know you can't never change. Oh, is it just me that he talks to like that? He just keeps on and keeps on. He just, sometimes you just want to turn around and say, would you shut up? Okay, I'm the only one that wants to say that. They're leaving me hanging this morning. From that moment, we begin a battle, and he's trying to get you to quit believing. I know there's several out there that would preach and teach. Once you're saved, you're always saved. It doesn't matter what you're going to do. Run from those people. You know how you were saved? By faith in Christ. And if I'm going to stay saved, I've got to keep my faith in Christ. So what's he trying to do? He's trying to get you to quit believing. And if you quit believing, well, when does that happen? I don't know. That's between you and the Lord. Well, how long does it take? Got no idea. But if he can get you to quit believing, he's got you. But I remain in a justified position. Now, here's what I want you to know. I got to, got to move on. Here's what I want you to know. How many has experienced the truth that once I was justified, I still messed up? Hey Amen. I got several amens there. I'm proud of that. I ain't the only one. I still messed up. My relationship with the Lord is a little up and down sometimes. Uh, let me, Sister Becky, close your ears. But after I got justified, I'm still not perfect. I didn't want her to know that. I'm not perfect. Uh, listen, I'll be the first one to cut in front of the line and tell you something that most preachers are not going to tell you. I've still got things in my heart that needs to be changed. I don't stand before you as a completed work of God. I stand before you as a person that Jesus is still working on. 
If I'm the same man now, uh, that, that six months from now that I am today, then something's wrong. Because I should be forever being changed and being altered. But I want you to know I'm not perfect. But in this justified position, here's what you want to know. If you're going to grow in grace, I'm back to my thought. I haven't left that title. If I'm going to grow in grace, here's something you need to learn about justification. First of all, there's two truths that I want to give you. You need to believe with all of your heart that I am born again. And you also need to believe that though I'm born again, I am not perfect. I'm born again, but I'm not perfect. And here's why. Because the devil's going to try to keep you here at that place of being justification, of being justified, and you'll never move into growing in grace. Now that I'm born again, it's that I am in a need of a change or be, of being sorry. I'm in need of being sanctified. Why is it that I need to believe that I'm not perfect? Because this great truth will keep me dependent upon the Lord. I don't need him today and not need him for the rest of the week. I need him today and tomorrow. I'm going to need him more than I needed him yesterday. Yesterday's gone. I need him today to work in me. Listen, I was raised in the best home that, that ever existed. I have the absolute best parents that God ever placed on this green earth. There, there, there's none like them. And I hope you feel the same way, but there is none. They're not second choice. They're number one. They are the absolute best. They raised me in church, and they raised me to do right. As a teenager, I was a punk, and I didn't always do just right. And I know that may surprise some of you, but I'm not always been the angel I am today. But I didn't do right, and I, I've done wrong. But I am a product of uh, even when I started on the basketball team, that's how bad our basketball team was. I started as point guard. And I had a practice because we had a district regional tournament coming up, and I had a practice coming up. And I remember going to my mom and saying, we got ball practice tonight. And she said, it's Wednesday night. I said, yeah, but we got two big tournaments coming up, and I'm the starting point guard. She said, I don't care what you start at. You're going to start by getting ready for church, and you're going to church tonight. And so I was the one that was made to go to the house of the Lord. And I know there's a lot of people, I don't go today because my mom and dad made me. I'm standing where I stand today because my mom and dad made me. You have an excuse or you have an experience. But you know what? Being in a spirit-filled church, I've learned what the presence of the Lord was all about. But for 26 years, this is the way I viewed Christianity. God was a big man with a stick waiting to knock me out. That's how I viewed it. And if I messed up, he knocked me out and erased my name out of the Lamb's Book of Life. And when I repented, he picked me back up and then he wrote my name back. Knocked me out, wrote it back. Knocked me out. Come on, surely I'm not alone. But I was up and down. Let me just tell you this. He didn't come. He didn't send Jesus so that he could knock you out. He came so that He could save you and then help you that you may grow in grace and grow in a relationship. And you can't grow in a relationship if He keeps knocking you out. I can lose my salvation if I, quit, if I keep believing. But once I place my faith in Jesus and what He did on the cross of Calvary from the heart, I'm justified. And now here, I don't mean this disrespectful, but once you know you're justified, you need to move past that. Grow in grace and walk with the Lord and allow Him to sanctify you. I was stuck on justification for all of my life until I understood the message of Christ and Him crucified. And so now, I move past that in order to grow in grace. I come to the knowledge that He didn't knock me out. That what I'm going to get into it a little bit. What I need to do is ask Him to forgive me and help me for what I've just done. And now, instead of having the mentality of I'm being knocked out, I have the mentality of I am still in need of the Lord and God is still faithful to help me as long as I will repent, make an about face, turn a 180, turn to the Lord and turn from the sin and ask Him to help me. And little by little, I'm being changed and transformed transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. Oh, that's good. Now, if you know that you're born again, we got to move into the sanctification, growing in grace process. And then Paul addresses another issue in Romans 7 and 15. He says this, 
For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. Is there any worse feeling that we can have than wanting to do the right thing and then doing the wrong thing and then moving past it and thinking, man, I just bombed out. Is there anything worse? Look, Paul's reading our mail. There's none of us. We got a bus. I'm going to throw you in there with me. There's none of us that wanted to do the right thing, found ourselves doing the wrong thing, and then hated it because we done it. Paul's not lost. Paul's a believer here. Paul would tell us what's going on in verse number 18. I just don't know how to perform. I want to do right, but I don't know how to do right. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing, but for to will is present with me. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. And everybody's been there. I want to do right. I find myself doing the wrong thing. Then I'm mad at myself because I did the wrong thing. And then the devil interjects, see, I told you you're not saved. You just did the wrong thing. You told you you wasn't saved. See, you can't do this Christian walk. You can't live this Christian life. You ought to just throw in the town, quit, and give up. Let the flesh go do what the flesh wants to do because that's who you are. Am I the only one that has heard his mouth say that? On and on and on and on. And Paul says, what I want to do is not what I'm doing. And what I don't want to do, that's what I'm doing. He said, I hate it, but I don't know how to perform. So I'm talking about growing in grace. So in order to grow in grace, i got to know how to perform. This happens because he didn't know how to perform. And when we try on our own or we move our faith to anything other than Jesus and what he did on the cross of Calvary, we no longer have the help of the Holy Spirit. Listen, we can't live right without the help of the Holy Spirit, and he can't help you unless your faith is in Jesus. He can't. So if I'm going to grow in grace... I've got to depend upon the leading and the guidance of the Holy Spirit, and that is how I perform. This is going to bring these together. I'm watching. I'm trying to be attentive of the time, but this is going to bring these together. Look at Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 16. You can look along with us on the screen. This I say, then walk in the Spirit, and you shall not, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's a pretty big deal. That's a pretty big deal. You mean to tell me if I walk in the Spirit, then I won't fulfill the lust of the flesh? That's exactly what I mean to tell you according to the Word of God. In other words, this, what you, if you're born again, what your flesh desires will not be fulfilled or it will not be performed if we walk in the Spirit. Oh, that's good news. Everybody ought to shout it on that one. Praise the Lord. That's good news. Let me just tell you this. We're going to a little depth here. Even after you're born again, there is a war that is going on right here. Amen? Come on. I let everybody in there. Amen. There's a war going on. Your flesh wants one thing, and the divine nature, the spirit, wants another thing. My flesh wants to go in the way of the world because I was born with a sin nature. You don't have to teach kids to lie and steal. They already know how to do that. You got to teach them not to because they was born with that being inside of them toward the things that are wrong, the things that offends God. My flesh wants one thing. My spirit wants another. There's a war that is going on. There's a war that's taking place. And as a believer, my desire should be the things of God, not the things of the world. Are we, are we with me? My desire is the things of God. And you know what? To walk in the Spirit, I'm going to explain that in just a second. I'm not going to leave you with that term. Walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh is possible according to Romans chapter number 6. Paul said, don't you know, believer? He's talking to the believer. Don't you know? You were baptized into Christ, not water baptism, not spirit baptism, You were baptized into Christ. In other words, when I came over a while ago and stood before Tristan and all that you could see was me, what you see there is a full submerging. When you water baptize somebody, which is a type of being baptized into Christ, you fully submerge them. Fully submerged into Christ. 
And, G- and Paul said, don't you know that you were baptized into Jesus Christ? You were baptized into his death and to his burial and raised in his likeness that you may walk in the likeness of, uh, of a new life. In other words, this. His death. I was baptized into his death. Baptized into his burial when he was in the tomb, and I was raised up with him when I said yes to Jesus. That's what happened. When he baptized me into his death, he broke the power of sin, the the power of the world, the power of flesh over me. He broke it. He broke the power. You got that? He broke the power. When I was baptized into his burial, he buried the former man, the liar the adulterer, the fornicator, the gossip he buried, the drug addict, the alcoholic he buried. And then he raised me up so that I now can walk in the newness of life. Let me tell you something. If you come to Jesus and you are wanting a relationship with him, the very thing that you don't want to see again is the old man. I don't want to see the liar. I don't want to see the drug addict. I don't want to see the alcoholic. I want to see them raised up in the likeness of Christ and have a new life. And Paul is saying, if you'll just walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And this is possible because by faith, you were baptized into Christ. The power of that has been broken. you got to believe that. You can't just know it. we got to believe that. And so what does this mean? What does walking in the Spirit mean? Walking in the Spirit. Walk means literally pattern my life this way. The Bible says, John 16, that the Holy Spirit came... To lead God and direct us. To reprove us. Reprove the world of sin. Reprove the world of righteousness. And reprove the world of judgment. In other words, he's going to prove to you what is sin. Prove to you what is right. And he's going to prove to you there's a judgment coming if we don't allow the Lord to work in our life. He'll prove that to you. And so he come to lead God and direct me. What does it mean to walk in the Spirit? i got to pattern my life in a certain way. Pattern my life in a certain way. What is that certain way. Well, first of all, I know I'm justified. I've been declared not guilty, Brother Charles, of anything I've ever done. And I also believe, I also know this, but it didn't take me long to learn this. It's simple, just a little bit after I got out of church, I learned that I'm not perfect. Now, I know religion will say, oh, you know, I don't mess up that much. You know, one wrong thought will prove to you you're not perfect. And they nobody in here want to put up their thoughts for the last week or for everybody to read. Amen. That's good preaching. I'm preaching good. Walking in the Spirit, i got to pattern my life in a certain way. How am I going to pattern my life? Well, I got up Monday morning. Let's say I got saved Sunday. I got justified. I got up Monday morning. I say, Father, you don't got to pray this specific prayer, but it's just a pattern. I thank you, God, for accepting me yesterday. I thank you for my born-again experience. I have new life in you. And I thank you for everything that you've done to make that possible. But today, as I start my day today, I know that I can't make it without your help. And just as I was saved by my faith in Christ and what he did on the cross. Come on, I'm talking about walking in the Spirit. Just as I was saved by faith in Christ and what he did on the cross this Monday morning, I placed my faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross of Calvary. And I'm asking for grace to flow, the divine influence of the Holy Spirit. And I'm asking for you to help me today. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Monday morning, by 10 o'clock, my boss has done made me mad, and I'm wanting to cut his brake line. Well, I started my day off with prayer. Look, I'm talking about this pattern. What do I do when I messed up by 10 o'clock? And I don't know about y'all, sometimes it don't take till 10 o'clock. I go back and say, God, I just had a thought about my boss I didn't need to have. I'm asking you to forgive that, and I'm asking you, God, to change that in me. I don't want to have these wrong thoughts about him. I'm asking you to change me. You see the pattern here? Get about 12 o'clock, and all of a sudden, I slip the word, and I shouldn't say it. Lord, I pray that you forgive me for what I've just said, and I pray that you would change the way that I'm talking. This is my pattern. Here's the pattern. I go to the Lord and ask him to forgive me. I come out here. I find out another failure. I go to God and ask him to forgive me and ask him uh, to change it, and I go about my day, and when I fail, and not if you fail, but when you fail, I go back to the Lord, and I'm saying, God, forgive me and change that in me. What am I doing? I'm walking in the Spirit. I'm walking under the leading and the 
guidance of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit, every time you do wrong or think wrong, He's saying, uh, you shouldn't have said that. You shouldn't have done that. Okay, well, I'm sorry. Well, I pray that you forgive me. And I'm asking God to change that in me. I'm being transformed. Let me just tell you today, whether you want to accept it or not, if you're going to be a good Christian, you better learn how to repent. You better learn how to repent. And you better not be too good to say, I need to go to the Lord and ask God to forgive me. And so I'm walking in the Spirit. And guess what happens when I don't walk in, when I walk in the Spirit? I won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, I don't want y'all, anybody, I've got my own issues and my own problems. And if you ask me after church what they are, I'll go ahead and give you an answer now. It is none of your business between me and the Lord. I don't have a problem with, with using foul language. I don't want y'all to think that. I'm using that as an example this morning. Uh, that's something that ought to go, it will go pretty quick after you give your heart to the Lord. You know why? Because that's one of them things that's public that everybody knows about. See, we concentrate on the public things that everybody sees and knows about. It's the things hidden that nobody else knows about that we kind of leave off to the side and try to enjoy for a little. Okay, well, I'm preaching good. We try to enjoy them for a little while because nobody knows about them anyway. You know, so I'm not exposing myself. Oh, preaching good. And so what, what we learn, what I want to say in regards to fulfilling the lust of the flesh, and I'm going to move on. If you slip that cuss word and you don't ask God to change that, if for ask Him to forgive you and change that, one cuss word leads to another, and another leads to more, and more leads to even more than that. And you know what I'm doing? I'm fulfilling the lust of the flesh. But if I'm walking in the Spirit, God forgive me for what I've done and change that. I'm putting a stop sign. I'm saying, I need the help of the Holy Spirit to move upon me to help me to talk right. And you know what He's going to do? He's going to help you. Amen. Is that, is that plain? Plain as mud, maybe? But I, I, want, you, I want you to understand it. i got to move on. So as a believer, my desire should be the things of God. And walking in the Spirit is a foundational thing that all of us, all of us, He doesn't just take away things and change things, He adds to us. He'll add a desire to be in the house of the Lord. He'll add a desire to pick up your Bible and read. He'll add a desire to increase your prayer time, not just to comment on somebody's Facebook post praying here, but He'll add a desire to, abs to actually stop and pray. Well, that's a big deal. And so, we're walking in the Spirit. I won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And the result is, I'm growing in grace. I'm growing in grace. So, you can't grow in grace if we're not walking in the Spirit. And I'll end with my text. Verse number 17. Verse number 17. You therefore, beloved... Seeing you know these things before, beware lest you also be, be being led away with the error of the wicked. Fall from your own steadfastness. Think about that. Beware means to be on guard. To be on guard. There's not a single person, in, unless he's already got you, there's not ever been a believer that Satan left alone until he finally got you to quit believing upon Christ. I'm sorry, you have a target on your back. He's trying to discourage, he's trying to defeat, he's trying to get you to quit believing. And he's saying this, you therefore, beloved, you, to, to in other words, to beware. Beware of all of these things, to be on guard. And then he says, when he gets to the part where he says to be, beware that lest you be led away, the word led away literally means to, well listen, I, I, I want you to get this, it means to seduce. You know, the, world, the devil has a way of making the world and sin look good. It, it is appealing to our flesh. I'm preaching good. It is appealing to God. Well, it don't look good to me. Come on now. We need to work on that line first. If you're in the flesh, the things of the world, sometimes there's a little sparkle that tries to catch our eye and it starts looking pretty good. He says this, don't be led away, don't be seduced to think the things of the current world is better than our daily walk. Because we're just here for a little while anyway. 
And then he uses the word that you may not fall from your own steadfastness. Steadfastness means stability. Stability comes from us knowing that my faith is in Christ and what he did for me on the cross of Calvary. Stability comes from me believing that I am justified. Believing and knowing how to walk in the Spirit and believing that he that I have His assistance, His help, uh, 24 hours a day, any time that I call upon the Lord. Listen, here's the truth of the matter. If you give your heart and life to the Lord, He declares you not guilty. He guarantees you grace as long as your faith is in Christ and what He did on the cross of Calvary, which is help to live for God. He is there with mercy. He will pick you back up. He will love you. He will forgive you. He will protect you. The only thing that He won't do for you is leave you. And I said that, I can say this. Anybody and everybody that wants to live for God can live for God because He's already given you everything that you need in order to be successful in this Christian walk. The only thing, He, he did leave one thing out. Not to be successful. He did leave out a valid excuse. We have no excuse of why that we're not living for the Lord. And then he says in verse number 18, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The word grow means to enlarge. Believe God in different areas of your life. Learning to trust Him in all things. I'm learning to trust Him in all things. If you just got saved and you never asked God for a healing, Grace hasn't been stretched or extended in that area yet. But the moment he allows a little sickness or something to come your way, my God, help me and heal me. I'm growing in grace. I've got trouble with a child. I'm growing in grace. If I've got trouble with fine, I'm growing. I've got trouble in the marriage. I'm growing in grace. Here's the thing. I know sometimes it feels like when it rains, it pours. But here's the thing. The truth of the matter is God is not going to put everything on you in every area that you need to grow in all at one time because every single one of us and again I'll cut to the front of the line we would give up and quit if you really knew what all that needed to be changed about me if I really knew what all needed to be changed about me I'd give up and quit but little by little just little by little daily walk with God he's changing the word of grace there is a divine influence of the Holy Spirit I've defined that it's so that I can, that I can have the help of the Holy Spirit. And he only helps me by my faith in Christ and what he did on the cross. And he says, the knowledge of the Lord and Savior. Continuing to learn about what Jesus provided for you on the cross of Calvary. I know we've said it before, but here is it. In this, here's the gospel. The gospel in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 starts pointing us. Pointing us to a perfect sacrifice. In Revelation 12 and 11, they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony points us back. And everything accumulates at what Jesus would do for us on the cross of Calvary. When he says grow in knowledge, you need to learn how that he fulfilled the law. You need to learn how that he is the perfect sacrifice for all of our sins. You need to learn why his blood is sufficient. You need to learn how that he made a way for the Holy Spirit to come. You need to learn how that he made justification possible. We need to continue to learn and grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Because if we learn about what he done on the cross, we will grow in grace. It's God's will for us to grow in grace, to be sure that we're justified. Know how to walk in the Spirit and to allow a daily flowing of grace. Because the truth is, anybody, listen, I don't care. How far you've went in sin. I don't care how much you feel like that you've blown it. The truth is anybody and everybody that wants to live for God, that wants eternal life, can live for God. But we got to do it God's way, the how-to. How is it? By my faith in Christ and what he did on the cross of Calvary. I pattern my life after this way, and I have a guaranteed flowing of grace that is changing me on a daily basis. He doesn't take Monday through Saturday off. <laughs> He's with you each and every day, every minute. And I'm very, very thankful for that. I want to tell you this morning, I want to quit. Brother Jeff's coming. There's very few people today 
Very few people that gets, gives their heart to the Lord because they're afraid of going to hell. Because hell is not really a reality in the minds of the people. Nobody here has seen hell. We read about it. We read how it's a lake of fire, a place of torment, a place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, where the worm dieth not, where there's torment that goes on constantly that will never quit. That is the eternal destination for everybody that rejects Christ. We read about heaven, but heaven is not yet a reality. We sing about it, though, and the Spirit begins to move in our heart. When we start singing about it or we start reading about heaven, because God is confirming this place, this is where that you want to be, eternal life with Jesus. But most people today give their heart and life to the Lord because they begin to review their life. Listen to me just for a moment. They review their life. And when they review their life and they begin to look back, the thought comes, the truth comes, you know what? I need to change. I need a change in my life. And when you look at that, the world has a lot of different ways that you can receive a change. But there's only one right way to be changed. And that is by faith in Christ and what he did on the cross. I want to tell you this morning, Jesus didn't come just to save you. He came to change you. Because if he changes you and changes your walk, changes everything about you, then you are a walking testimony of the grace of God that is going to preach volumes to somebody and then somebody else is going to want what you have. He didn't come just to save you. He came to change you. That you might have life and have it more abundantly. This morning, yes, He's here to save. But once he, you're in relationship, He doesn't push you away. He doesn't leave you. He walks with you on a daily basis so that you can be changed into the image of Jesus Christ. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to ask you to bow your head with me all across the building. Father, we love you today. I'm thankful, God, for your grace and for your mercy and for your love. I'm thankful, God, that you came and didn't leave us like you found us. But, God, that you saved us, that you baptized us into Christ, and, Lord, that we were raised up as a new creation, that we may live and that we may walk with you and be changed and be a witness, Lord, to others, to our family first, but to others also. God, I pray that the power of the Holy Spirit would move upon every heart today. Lord, we thank you for all that you do and all that you're going to do in this service this morning. With your head still bowed and eyes closed, this is my altar call this morning. Maybe not exactly like I would normally do it, but this is my altar call this morning. I have not left out anybody that doesn't know Jesus. And I've included everybody that needs a little refresher on how to walk in the Spirit and how to be changed this morning. I know this Christian walk sometimes can be discouraging. I know sometimes that we can be faced with a mountain that is a mountain to us that we're having a hard time overcoming. And the tempter, the enemy of my soul, says, just give up, it's part of your life, and it's something that you will always be. But the truth of the matter is, the grace of God is able to not just change the little things, but to change the hard things. Because there is nothing that is too hard for the Lord. And this morning, my altar call is simply this. If you don't know the Lord as your Savior, I definitely want you to come. I want, you to, I want to pray for you. I want to make sure that if you went to that heavenly courtroom today that you were approached, that you would be declared not guilty and not be declared guilty before God the Father. That's the most important thing. But mixing right in with them, if you're here this morning, and you say, I love God, but I got some things in my heart that needs to be changed. And this morning, my faith has been encouraged. I believe that because of walking in the Spirit, that I can grow in grace. That it is possible that I be changed and continue to grow in the Lord and in my relationship with God. Nobody's going to ask no questions. It's not anybody's business. But if you're here this morning and you say, that's me.
I've got some things that needs to be changed. And this morning, I'm going to believe that God, little by little, is able to change them. Would you come? Would you get out from where you're at and make your way down to an altar, a place to pray this morning? Would you come? Several coming already. Would you come this morning? Come on, it's for you. Let's let the grace of God change us. Let's grow in grace. Let's allow Him to make us what He has already planned for us to be today. Come on, would you come? Somebody else, would you come this morning? Come on, there's still room. There's still room this morning. Would you come today? Come on, would you come this morning? It's a good time to pray. It's a good time to believe God. Change my heart, O Lord. Help me, God, to walk in the Spirit. Help me, God, to grow in grace. I need help this morning. Come on, you can still come. I need some helpers to come. Help me pray one for another. I need some people to come lay their hand upon somebody's back and lift up somebody this morning. We're here to grow in grace. We're here to grow in the knowledge of the Lord. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Hallelujah. God, you're more than able. Sing, play, whatever you feel this morning. Let's just worship just a moment. Come on, help us pray. Maybe you want to pray right where you're at. Maybe you want to ask God to forgive you and help you right where you're at. Whatever it may be, it's a good time for us to go to the Lord in prayer today. I thought number one would surely be me. Yes, I thought I could be what I wanted to be. And I thought I could be all I seeking sin. Lord, I can't even walk without you holding my hand. If you were blessed by this message, you can find us on Facebook at Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. Our contact for prayer or donations is by mail, Faith Worship Center, P.O. Box 296, Porsche, Arkansas, 72457. Through Messenger or PayPal, you can find that link on Facebook also. Thank you and God bless you and your family.